0: a thankful heart and an endless joy tis the season to be jolly and joyous and for that reason today we dive into what i consider to be the definitive film version of the greatest christmas story of all time yes we are talking about a muppet christmas carol on retro anatomy of a movie starting now welcome to popcorn talk featuring movie discussion news and interviews popcorn talk we talk movies and now Here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Yes, indeed. Welcome! With a very non-Christmassy vibe here. (laughs) Hello, Mrs. Claus. Welcome to our retro anatomy of a movie. I'm Christian Blatt, uh, and uh, my usual co-host, Alexa Capiello, is not with us this week, but sitting in the wonderful, the lovely, the talented, Rachel Goodman.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm very stoked to be here for the first time on Anatomy of a Movie.
0: We went back and forth a little bit, because usually, for those of you who tune in for these retro Anatomy Movies, usually Alexa and I pick a movie that we haven't seen before. But with it being Christmas, I really wanted to do a favorite... And we very quickly both gravitated towards Muppet Christmas Carol. It was hard hard to talk either of us out of it, you know, doing a different one, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially Muppets. Yeah, oh, yeah, I do.
0: I do love the Muppets. And I think that, uh, look, I, I think there have been some other, like the the first Jason Siegel, just the one called the Muppets, yeah. I thought was good. It was good. This is the last great Muppet movie, you know. Uh, I, I, I still have fun when I see the Muppets doing anything. But this this one is just the last one where you feel like, you know, you have the original three that Jim Henson was involved in and you have this one, and they're, they're just all right up there for me.
1: So I have to ask before we yeah. talk about this, are you more of a manly Muppet or a Muppet of a man?
0: It's a great question. I'm definitely a Muppet of a man. I'm 100% sure of that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm definitely not a manly Muppet. So uh, <laughs> I do appreciate the question, though. Yeah. Uh, so the before we dive into it, because this is a little different because we typically haven't seen the film – When did you first see this? When I because it came out in 1992. Yeah, I think. Yeah,
1: I don't remember this, but I'm guessing. I mean, I would have been about five. Yeah. So I think I saw it when it came out in theaters. I. Think.
0: Right. I saw it a few years later. Uh, I think, you know, my family, my sister is seven years younger than I am. So we were just buying up a a lot of, uh, this is because I'm old, uh, a lot of VHSs to watch. And this was one, we're like, oh, we love the Muppets. Let's watch this for Christmas. And I was just blown away by how much I really enjoyed it. Like, I just figured it was going to be a fun Muppet movie. What I didn't think I was going to get is a performance on the level that Michael Caine gives in this. If you take. Michael Caine is Scrooge out of this and you put him in a traditional Scrooge story with no Muppets in it. You're like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. He's so committed to it, you know? And I mean, look, it's a guy who sometimes makes like eight movies in a year. But he's great, and he's so good as Scrooge because he doesn't, for a second, act like well, this is just a Muppet movie, so you know I'm going to phone it in. You know,
1: he—that's the thing, and that's what I really appreciate. One, Michael Caine is such a classically trained actor. When he commits to a role, it doesn't matter what it is; he's committed. He sold me on him being the perfect Scrooge. But then on top of that, um, I believe it was the Alfred Kinney version. I believe he did a version of A Christmas Carol too. Um, But he, Michael Caine. I felt like I was watching any other version of A Christmas Carol, except we also had Muppets. Right. Um, it was on that level of, you know, they every actor involved was very committed to this. And um, I think for me, I a Christmas Carol does tend to depress me because of the nature of yeah. the story. So I appreciated the lighter element of having some of the comic relief with the Muppets. So I personally, as an adult watching this again, for really the first time, because I I don't remember if I saw it as a kid. Right. Um, I'm not 100% sure. So for kind of seeing it for the first time, really, I appreciated having that that humor and that, okay, yes, this is dark. There's really not... There's a happy-ish ending, but not really a happy ending um, in the yeah. sense that he doesn't get to go back and, and relive his life and get those memories N- back.
0: No, I mean, that that's the nature of adapting a story like this. Yeah. But the idea that the rest of his days are, are going to be fuller and happier because he just understands the importance of Christmas, but then also what goes with that, you yeah. know, it being a better person, you know, yeah. I and mean, sort of what the day of Christmas represents – and, you know, it's just such a, you know, obviously because it's it's adapted from a, a classic book, which we'll be talking about yes. the book in a little bit. Uh, there, there is just such a weight to it that you're not going to necessarily get from a, a movie where 95% of the cast is puppets, you know.
1: Yeah. And can I just say, too, speaking of the book, mm-hmm. I just want to mention, so Charles Dickens, the author of the original Christmas Carol, um, he is one of my favorite writers. And so I have read the book. And as we were, as I was watching this, I had the book kind of pulled up right, and was kind of scrolling just so yeah. I could see, like, the comparison. Yeah, I, they were
0: doing. I, I, I told you this before we started. Uh, every year, right around Halloween, I tell myself this is the year I'm going to read Christmas Carol because I always want to read the book. And then I just never find the time. I think I'm going to need to read it, you know, maybe after holiday time because, like, that's when it just everything gets so busy. Like, November and December, not the time to read a book, at least not when you have two kids like I do. But yeah. uh, so... There are a lot of reasons why this film is significant, uh, just in terms of public perception, in terms of w- its place in Muppet history. Uh, there's a, the film did not do particularly well theatrically. Uh, it made five million dollars opening weekend. Uh, that's 1992, so that's not quite like if you make five million now. But its domestic release was 27 million dollars, which is is not good even for a holiday movie where you have a, a, a shorter window for release and uh the you know worldwide that's thirty one million dollars, so this is not a tremendous, but look, its a wonderful life was actually a bomb <laughs> yes. they it wasn't like, oh, it just did no it was a it was a colossal failure
1: until they aired it on p b s and then, and then every- they started
0: airing it on television, and then people find it, and they love it and I think you get that a lot with christmas related movies a lot of times regardless of how they do, if they don't do well, obviously this one's great. But I think when people discover it on home video and cable and now it's on Disney plus now. So there's so many different ways to watch it. I think people are like, Oh, let's check that out. Because if you have a soft spot in your heart for the Muppets, like I always did, you eventually want to check it out. And by the, and by the time I watched it, I would say I was probably in my early twenties, maybe my late teens, just because I didn't see it when it came out and I didn't see it for a few years But again, like I said, I was just really impressed for it. So there's reasons why this is significant beyond that. Uh, It is the first major Muppet project without Jim Henson. It's directed by his son, Brian. And I think a lot of people just assumed that Brian did the voice of Kermit. But the, the Muppet performer is Steve Whitmire, who did Kermit up until just a few years ago, is the one who takes over. And... It is always a little jarring the first time he opens his mouth and speaks because you just want to hear Jim Henson. You get used to it, you know, and I think that is such an incredible pressure on Steve Whitmire to have to come in and, you know, be the voice of several characters. But but that beloved to be Kermit, to have to like, now I'm going to be Kermit now is i I can't imagine that pressure
1: now my perspective as a little kid so i was born in 87 sure by the time i can actually you know remember watching the muppets i grew up on the steve whitmeyer version sure yeah so to me he is kermit right and i think that's a lot of kids and i'm like oh okay
0: like my my kids have no idea how terrible the voice of Big Bird is now! Car- Carol Spinney, <laughs> who recently passed away, rest in peace. Yeah. uh retired a few years ago, and the replacement voice m- must be a lovely person, but just doesn't sound anything like Big Bird. And uh, uh, you just watch and like they don't know, they have no idea. <laughs> so you you know, uh, uh, so that makes perfect sense. But this this isn't the first time that he did the voice of Kermit. There was a you You can track it down through uh, less than legal methods, but there was a a, a special a remembering Jim Henson special. and uh, S- Steve Whitmire did Kermit for the first time in that. but this is probably the first time most people saw it. and i I, I always wonder, like, did that turn any people off, you know, when they saw it? Is that part of the reason why Kermit's not the narrator? I, I feel like Kermit is always sort of our focal point in yeah. Muppet stories. The choice of Gonzo is great.
1: I loved it, yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I think that works really well. Uh, Gonzo with Rizzo the rat is amazing. I
1: want to see Beaker narrate sometime. <laughs> well,
0: been,
1: oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Tale no. of
0: Two Cities by Beaker. <laughs> um, Yeah. But uh, (laughs) yeah. So I I think that, you know, you have to take it into that context a little bit, like why this was such a big deal. Uh, And, you know, I think ultimately the the property, the Muppets are considered a success. I mean, they not too long after this, they were bought by Disney. Um, And there's a good history of Muppet Christmas on television. Uh, There's a John Denver Christmas special with the Muppets there is uh, something that I love called a Muppet family Christmas, which features your Muppet characters from the Muppet show. It has everybody from Sesame street and it has Fraggle rock. So it's like, it was like massive, like crossover melding of, you know, and you see a couple of nods to that actually in this, there's a snowman from that. And you also see sprocket from Fraggle rock, stick his hat out of the window at the beginning of, of this. So I always love that kind of crossover and just near and dear to my heart is a TV special called uh, M Daughter's Jug Band Christmas that I would watch every year on uh, on HBO. So they finally brought it to the big screen. And I, don't, I just feel like the film works so well because the story is so classic. It's so good. And they didn't mess around with it, you know? There's a there's a Mr. Magoo version where they have the ghosts in a different order for some reason that I've never understood. And it's also Mr. Magoo. So, you know, it's not (laughs) it's not great. But you're like, well, why are the ghosts in the wrong order? You know, Um, but uh, so this is really the first time you remember you you're sure you watched it now yeah, yeah. and you hadn't seen it in some time.
1: I don't. Yeah. If if you've seen it before,
0: it was a long time ago. If I
1: had seen it at all, it was when I was like five. And I had not seen it since. I right. watched other Muppet movies, but for whatever reason, this one, I just yeah. hadn't gotten back to.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, just uh, some overall thoughts and things that stand out for you watching it. Uh, is there anything that you feel uh, didn't work? And what were some of your favorite moments?
1: I'm going to say, in ter- I'm just going to start with what didn't work. Sure. Because it, st- it was bothering me the whole time. No problem. The first ghost, the ghost of the Christmas past. I understand this was 92, but I would have rather they had just had a Muppet instead of whatever digital animation Uh, they were trying to do. She was creeping me out. And it's no—I like the idea, and in the book, it is supposed to be a ghost who is—they actually labeled the ghost as being dwarfish. Right. So I understand the choice to have a young person playing the ghost, but— it was weird.
0: Well, I always felt like it was a missed opportunity to not have three Muppets play the yeah. ghost. Like, not necessarily your A-list, like, Muppet show lead actors, but there's a lot of secondary characters, you know? I mean, he shows up a little bit and, and is abused, as he often is, but Bean Bunny could have certainly been a ghost somewhere in there. You know, there's there's a lot of that level of character. Or characters from other shows. You know, you could have had a Fraggle. You know, there's a lot of different... Um, I, I think that they were definitely trying to go maybe truer to that narrative but yeah I, I can see that point what else didn't work for you
1: so that was the number one thing sure. um i i generally did like the music um right I... Which,
0: uh, give credit to uh, Paul Williams, who has done so much of the great Muppet music, you go back to the original Muppet movie and uh, beyond, but uh, I mean, the great songs that we know from the Muppets are essentially all from Paul Williams.
1: Now that you have... Sho- the reason I'm talking about the music, too, is because now that you showed me that deleted Yeah, scene, we'll get to that, yeah. Yeah, now I'm thinking, okay, that little section does not work without the song. Um,
0: yeah, well, I mean, you brought it up, so, so let's get into that for a second. Yeah. So, uh, for people who saw it theatrically you might remember that there I, I i forget actually what the history is of the song uh there's a song called the love is gone which is between young scrooge and his his girlfriend bell and it's the explanation of why she can't be with him anymore because just as the song implies the love is gone they're not together anymore and my wife hates that song. She thinks it's so incredibly boring, and it's slow. Look, it is slow. There's a song on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer called "It's Always Tomorrow," where you're like, oh, "Okay, I'll take a nap." But it's important to the story. This is very important to the story, and they always cut the song. You know, uh, I watch this on Disney Plus. If you watch the Blu-ray, there are places where you either, you know, as a digital download, you'll get it as a bonus feature. The Laserdisc has it included, the uh, full screen version of VHS. So old media has it, but it's not included typically. And it really, it's a, like an emotional short shrift, I think, not having that exchange. It's like three minutes. It doesn't slow the movie down that much. And it, it it's really a fundamental difference. So talk about. You know, I showed you that scene after you finished watching the movie. So, seeing that scene, what does what does that do for you to see the the "Love Is Gone" song?
1: So, I'll tell you how it. I'll tell you my other comment about what did not work. Sure. And it kind of relates to this. So, for me, part of it is this is this movie is an hour and a half without that scene, or an hour and twenty six minutes. It is exactly an hour twenty six um, minutes. Yeah, and so. W- I felt like it moved too quickly. I felt like they could have had a little more time to see Scrooge actually develop more. Um, that song, when we actually see that young Scrooge, but then also old, older Scrooge. Is, yeah, Michael
0: Caine yeah, starts yeah. singing along as well. I
1: feel like that explains so much, and if we had kept that, it would have helped with some of the character development that I felt, I don't want to say lacking, because Michael Caine... He brought everything to the role. Like I really did believe that he was growing, and that but from A, he went from A to Z in such you know a short amount of time. That being said, I think that they could have paced it. They they could have um, actually just made a longer movie. Yeah. Um, If they, you know, I know that. Which with
0: that song, the movie was probably, it was probably exactly 90 minutes and then they cut it out and it's an hour 26. Yeah. yeah, So you're just like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a strange time. But it
1: would have helped. And I think that um, for me, it's just hard watching something happen so fast. And I, so I felt a little bit like pulled out of the story for that reason.
0: Yeah, so, okay, so I, I think I can understand that. And I, I guess sometimes you have to take consideration when things are for children. But, like, there's a Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol that I think's 30 minutes. And yeah. you want to talk about just they just buzz through <laughs> everything, you know. Uh, seeing that song now, like, obviously you watched it after the fact. But uh, what did that sort of do for your understanding and appreciation of the narrative that they, you know, that Brian Henson had for the film?
1: The fact that you have, it's not just a two-person song. You have the three people involved who are very, very different. We have seen Scrooge age from a little boy to this moment as a young adult. And just the moment that he's in as, you know, 20s, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I um, think that's about right. Yeah, yeah. So the, the place where he is, it's not unheard of for people now to be like that. To say I can't. I'm not ready to marry you. I still want to make more money. I want to be able to afford certain things for us. I that's I think yeah. that the lesson is universal. And, and that that's what I really took out of this. Is that Scrooge obviously has this. He has this gift to be able to look back. And see the different places you might be in your life. And as an older person. As Michael Caine. Um, he's able to, to have more of a realization. Okay. Yeah, like I was planning all of these things, but obviously I didn't see like I didn't live in the moment. I lived for the future and not for my not for my present.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I I, I think. And look, you and I are both married uh, to other people, not to each other. Uh, (laughs) But when I was very young, long before I'd met my wife or even considering getting married, I remember getting the advice is like if if you wait to get married until you can afford it, you're never going to get married, and I was later given that same advice about children. You'll never be able to afford yeah. it, so you should just do it when it makes sense.
1: I've always and, heard that too. And
0: you know that that's just—I think that's what Scrooge needed to learn. I feel like Old wig probably could have bent his ear and maybe just told him like, "Come on," you know. He's trying to get him to have fun at the party, yeah. You know, and he introduces them, you know. But there's only so much you can do, you know. When he's just that set in his way, that he has to be a success. Yeah. Uh, So what were you going to say before we pass that? What
1: breaks my heart, too, is this is kind of tying in the book a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. So they specifically, so there's two things. If you want, I can talk about the differences now, too.
0: Yeah, because you talk about that we see the character again in the book, which for all the film versions of this I've seen, I I didn't actually realize that. so. So
1: here's the thing. The first, like, major difference is that when we see Scrooge as a little boy, they make it sound like he purposely pushed his friends away and right. that he knew these people, but he was choosing to be a workaholic. In the book, what the language they use is that his friends had pushed Scrooge away, which I feel is a key difference to a person who is going to go down a dark path. Um, not to say that I didn't feel bad for the Scrooge in this movie as a little boy, because I, I still did. It still yeah, breaks my heart yeah. that he's just trying to do what his family didn't do for him and, and get ahead. And,
0: and even as an older man in his, I don't know, 50s or 60s, he's like, well, yeah, the holidays were a great time for me to catch up on extra work. Yeah. Like, he still convinced himself that, like, this was a good thing that I didn't have any family or any friends. Yeah. You know, it, it, that, that makes it even that much more heartbreaking to have yeah. the present-day version of him. Be like, oh, good, good for that young man that he has no one. You but know? it's
1: almost like when you read the book and you see that line, That literally says scrooge was working because his friends had pushed him away right to me that sets up a much like deeper psychological reason for why he would eventually grow up meet somebody and still have that innate fear no this person could leave me too and the only thing i really have is what i work for and what i do for myself and so i feel like that's part of it and um it's interesting you know to see how they present it in the movie versus what we see in the book the extra scene that we get with Belle is actually um, after the fact. Um, after so we, it's the so normal- does the
0: ghost of Christmas? How how do we see this scene? So
1: it's he's still with the ghost. It's older uh, Scrooge is still with the ghost of Christmas, Christmas past. past. Okay. He they the, the the ghost shows him Belle saying goodbye, like what we see. The next part is actually where he says, "I don't want to see anymore. Don't show this to me." And then when we go to that next scene. Um, He knows where they're going with it. It is Belle's husband. So we see Belle maybe. They make it very specific that Belle now has a family. She has a daughter who's like 15 or 16. Okay,
0: so quite some time later. So it's like,
1: yeah, it's like, let's just say 20 years later. Sure, yeah. So we see Belle's husband come home. has We see the life that Belle ended up having with a family and bell and her husband comes home and she and he says to bell hey i met i ran into one of your old friends and it was scrooge and they proceed to basically not speak very kindly about him right and that that's all it is is that he's an afterthought and that's one of the things that they really stress in the book is that this idea of people will move on if they need to move on
0: Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, you start to feel even for older Ebenezer Scrooge, because how many times do you want to hear people talk badly about you, especially like when they're glad you're dead, you know, in yeah. the ghost of Christmas future? Uh, just to backtrack, uh, I, I, I knew as soon as I said it, I had something factually wrong. So, that song, When the Love Is Gone, and the reason why we're focusing on it is because it's so important to the story. And when you take it out, it, it's a big leap for Scrooge. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm starting to see the world differently. So, uh, the Disney had acquired them up. prior to this. Jeffrey Katzenberg is the one who decided to take the song out because he believed it would not appeal to young children. Uh, It did not appeal to my wife. So maybe he's (laughs) he's right in that respect. Uh, Brian Henson was very much objected to this because there is kind of a reprise of it. There's the love we found at the end of the film is referenced and it is very important. Uh, And uh, yeah, you can see it on the VHS and the laser disc. And just as a little tidbit, the laser disc version which may or may not be on YouTube if you look for it, is the only widescreen presentation of it where it's ever been released. Uh, it's a full screen uh, for the VHS. And to just put a bow on this, Brian Henson said uh, just last year that he doesn't expect the song to appear in any future releases because apparently Disney has lost the video master and negative, mm. which in this part of this the last century, you're just like, well, how are people losing things like that? Uh, but I guess if you think you're cutting something out, you know, what are you going to do with it? But anyway, uh, so I think the reason why we spend so much time in that is because it is such an important thing. But I do think Michael Caine does this great job of even how after you see that there is some difference after the first ghost. He just doesn't necessarily want to see anymore you know, and I think we do have fun with the ghost of Christmas present who is very forgetful because he only lives in the present. I think that that's a fun idea. I don't know if that's something that's directly from the book. I I would assume that it's something like that or am I wrong on that?
1: They, it was different. Okay. So the ghosts that they bring, it, first of all, the style of writing with Dickens, it's it, it's hard to kind of translate it. But it sometimes, in terms of how the ghosts are acting, but I get the sense that the ghosts are very like monotone and like they don't really like they're just here to warn him and like to teach him a lesson. So we don't get the same character like character mannerisms that we get with the Muppets when we see them, especially, you know, like you were saying, the ghosts of Christmas present and how forgetful he is and, yeah. and just like generally goofy that he is just, you know.
0: Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. And, and, and I think that, look, the, the film works for a lot of reasons. It has to be grounded in who your Scrooge is, but a uh, tremendous credit to the, the Muppet performers and, uh, i have a I have a friend who whose uh, brother works with uh, very closely with the Muppets in fact uh, he performs a lot of uh, the characters in the present day uh, and I once made the mistake of referring to them as voice actors and you forget that they're actually performers because th- there are definitely exceptions, but usually the person doing the voice is also moving the Muppet around. Yeah. And there's always great behind the scenes uh, videos you can see of, I, I think it's from Sesame Street of of Jim Henson and Frank Oz. You can see them actually moving characters around and it's great. Uh, but you, you know, a lot of the Muppet performers, you don't see as much uh, anymore uh, in all honesty, it's, uh, it's a point of contention for some uh, people, uh, because it's just, they didn't want to pay, uh, you know, they, and they've used replacements, but this is other than Jim Henson, this, you still have the full complement of Dave Golas, who is gonzo and also Bunsen Honeydew. But, uh, and, and of course, Frank Oz, who is Miss Piggy, Fozzie, Sam Eagle, uh, and animal. So you, you know, uh, just to have that level of talent on the set, obviously you're missing Jim Henson, but you still have these great performers who had played these characters for decades. And I, I think it really shows. I think if you see if you see Fozzie and it's not it's not Frank Oz and especially uh someone else doing Miss Piggy, it doesn't feel quite the same.
1: Yeah. And now for me, I grew up with Frank Oz. Right. Yeah, so, so that's
0: the same for yeah, you. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So if it was anyone else, it would feel
0: Weird. Right. Exactly. So uh, I and and I think that it's just it is so believable for that reason. And there's the fact is that the Muppets always have such a great sense of humor about themselves and just this whole narrative that Gonzo is this all knowing Charles Dickens, but Rizzo is still Rizzo and knows him as Gonzo. And is like, all right, Mr. Dickens, you know, all that. And just like the antics they get into. It's good. The pacing's right. You have enough silly stuff that happens along the way. And just little gags are the things that I always that make me smile when I think about it, which is when Sam Eagle is young Ebenezer's headmaster. And he's like, it is the American way. And Gonzo whispers to him and he's like, it is the British way. Just dumb little things like that. Like, that's what I come to the Muppets for It's just silliness like that, you know.
1: And all like the different philosophers that they yeah. had, like Aristotle. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's Gonzo's head. Of course. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I, I just think it's uh, it's so much fun when you have that. And just the simple thing. That, obviously, Fezziwig is the character in the book, but then Fuzzy, who yeah. else could you have but Fozziwig? Yeah. And I love that we see Fozzi's mom, who is a character from the TV special that I mentioned, The at Family Christmas. So I like that we had Fozzi and his mom together. And, uh, you know, just the way that the story is populated. I mean, of course, Miss Piggy is Emily Cratchit. But I Naturally. love their kids, too, who are characters, obviously, that we only have in this movie.
1: Uh, and okay. even and even Miss Piggy, we still get her personality. Yeah. Like when she's eating all of the, you know, chestnuts <laughs> yeah. and her two daughters come over and they're literally little Miss Piggies. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. and just that they love Kermit just as much as, as Piggy does. Yeah. Yeah, like, and
1: naturally they're married. Like yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, it's just it's so fun, you know, and, and I think that uh, obviously if you're gonna tell a Muppet story Uh, that is incredibly important, you know, that you, you are able to have this kind of fun with it, you know. Um, what are, uh, so we were talking a little bit about the book. Are there any other fundamental differences or are they fairly minor or what have you found as you were comparing the two?
1: I mean, there are definitely differences. There's a lot of minor ones, so it's kind of hard to go through everything. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But one of the things is just the language in general is definitely a lot older. Um, one of the things when he was talking to Belle, um, is that she was taught, she mentioned him idolizing gold. Right. And that that was his new idol, and so there was a lot. Like I feel like there was like a different way that Dickens was trying to convey his message. Um, right. There was it felt like it was more of like maybe a more of a religious undertone as well. Um, but that's obviously the time, and and maybe just the way that writers were. Um, you know, but maybe just the way. It yeah, because I believe
0: that. it was written in 1854, and yeah. uh, obviously it, it's a it's a very specific frame of mind that people have. And it's also it's an interesting thing because in the 19th century Christmas wasn't necessarily the way that we think of it now. You know, I mean, it it was clearly an an important an important day. Uh, It was a religious holiday. The gift giving, all all of that, but it it wasn't quite the scale that we have now. Uh, You know, I mean, there's obvious reasons for that difference. But uh, yeah, so I, I I've always. Like I said, I've always wanted to read the book, and uh, I, I I feel like it'd be interesting to explore some of those differences.
1: Gonzo did pull some literal literal quotations from the book, and right. one of the things I want to mention, in case anyone's not familiar, is that if you have a story now written before 1929, it is in the public domain. Right. So you they can legally do that, and there's not an issue. Right. Um, and so they Gonzo started the story at the very top of the movie. By saying, um, like literally using the first line, Marley was dead to begin with, there's no doubt whatever about that. And and I was following along, and some of it was word for word. Right.
0: Now, of course, in the book, there's just Jacob Marley. Yes. But this, we needed to have Statler and Waldorf. Yeah. We had to have... So Jacob and, and Robert is the other one, right, in, in this? Robert,
1: but it was funny because
0: Scro-
1: Scrooge called him Bob Marley. Yeah. <laughs> I was I,
0: like, I know. they
1: did that on purpose. I think, I, I think that they,
0: they must have done <laughs> yeah. that because it's the Muppets, so yeah. they must have been fun. Absolutely. And yeah, so the idea that there were two, and it's just such a great use of uh, two characters that I've always enjoyed is Statler and Waldorf. And uh, I like the first time I saw it, I was so excited. I'm like, oh my God, they have Styler and Waldorf as as the ghosts. Um, just to, another thing that I, I wanted to mention before, you know, I was talking about this idea that uh, that they could have had Muppet characters uh, play the ghosts. Uh, apparently the first draft of the script. It was either uh, there were thoughts that either Robin or Scooter could be the ghost of Christmas past, who Scooter, by the way, is not in this movie. So they certainly could have used him there. Um, Miss Piggy could have been the ghost of Christmas present. And either Gonzo or Animal uh, could have been the ghost of Christmas yet to come, because at that point they hadn't written it where Gonzo would have been Dickens. Uh, I, I think... Robin as Tiny Tim it, it, there's nothing more there's no character that makes any more sense I mean I guess again maybe being bunny because he's small but if if Kermit is going to be Bob Cratchit just how perfect is it that yeah. you have the the little you know, sweeter, even more innocent version of Kermit if, there, if you can imagine such a thing. Because, you know, Kermit's a little bit cynical, the Kermit that runs the backstage of The Muppet Show. But Robin is just this, you know, this God bless us everyone sort of a, a character. So uh, I, I think that the characters are used really well. But it wasn't until I read this that I, I was just like, yeah, wait a minute, where's Scooter in this?
1: So the other thing I just thought of, too, was uh, they changed. They didn't really mention a lot with the sister, Um, In the book and in other movie versions of um, A Christmas Carol, they they incorporate more of that storyline where there was a little more that Scrooge had going on with the sister. Like she you actually see her in the storyline.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Whereas this I mean, obviously, there there must have been, you know, a sister or a brother because he's got a nephew. (laughs) But (laughs) but they don't really unless I missed it, they didn't really talk about her or have a storyline with her at all.
0: So uh, I just want to read a quote from Michael Caine, who, uh, once he was cast, uh, it sort of represents my praise for him that we had at the beginning of our show. Uh, So Michael Caine said, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I am going (laughs) to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. Uh, and, and, And it shows because... Look, there are a lot of different ways. You know, you you could be Charles Grodin in Great Muppet Caper. It's all very like wink and a nod, you know, which is fine. It works for that story. I just think that the reason why this film is great instead of what would have been just good is that they don't treat it like it's silly in any way That that, that these characters are all Muppets.
1: And that's the whole thing is that in order for us to buy it. Michael Caine had to sell it and he had to be hit. That's a a brilliant quote because obviously he brought to it the same energy he would have brought to any other movie and shows. And um, the fact that he would take it so seriously um, is a testament to him as an actor too.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I continue to be impressed by it. And and like I said, I was so glad to have an excuse to watch this, but it's, you know i'm and the the budget i think was uh, i was reading this earlier i think the budget was about uh, 10 million dollars or maybe it was 12 and it's 12 million dollars and obviously, when you make $5 million in opening weekend, even in 1992, you're like, oh, uh, but it, it did uh, open, you know, th- Disney didn't have the whole synergy thing figured out at the same point. It opened uh, around the same time as Aladdin, I think maybe <laughs> even like a week before. So that doesn't that is not going to help if you come out at the same time as Aladdin. You no,
1: know? it's it's really funny, though. I'm I don't 100 percent remember whether I saw Christmas Carol in theaters but I do 100% remember seeing Aladdin. So. I I
0: think a big reason why I didn't see it is I remember taking my little sister to see Aladdin. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was like, well, let's go see this, you know, because we knew Robin Williams is in yeah. it. That's going to be great, you know. And uh, obviously, it, I don't know, it was just a, it was not something that I even thought of until years later to watch it.
1: Yeah. And there's just I mean, it there is just a different energy to a movie like Aladdin versus a Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) Not, not that it makes one better than the other, but there's just, you know, I feel like with Disney and with the idea of an, of a cartoon, um, not that Muppets wouldn't have been seen as something very, you know, um, like a formidable choice in holiday movie. But, um, I just think that with the reconnaissance of the animated film with Disney, that a lot of families would have chosen the, uh, uh, you know, Aladdin uh, cartoon over
0: yeah. Muppets. And just looking in the chat, a lot of people uh, definitely saw it on cable or television. You know, that's where you started to see it and you kind of see it every year. And that's kind of the way that, you know, it. I mean, you might not own it. I mean, now that it's on Disney Plus, probably a lot of people uh, have it. Uh, but uh, the uh, Westie kid in the chat uh, loves Statler and Waldorf as uh, Marley and Marley. And yeah. I, I have to agree with that. I just wanted to give him a shout out. And uh, Big J 21 points at the Fraggle Rock rules. It absolutely does. Uh, It uh, it seems to be a little bit of a forgotten Muppet property, but uh, I believe as with even the Dark Crystal, which is a show that Rachel and I did over at AfterBuzz TV, we did the after show for, uh, I believe the uh, Fraggle Rock reboot is coming as well. Um, You know, because uh, why not if something works once? I mean, that was 30 plus years ago, I think. So you can probably get back into it now. So, uh, what are we kind of take away with this? Um, you know, you and I. One of the films we considered was Scrooge
1: <laughs> with Bill movie. Murray,
0: which is a, <laughs> which is a, a, a completely different approach to this story. But I love this ver- that version. Yeah,
1: and just like Scrooge. Not to kind of segue here too into that, but yeah. like Scrooge too talk about deviating from the source material yeah scrooge is so different
0: <laughs> screw well yeah i mean he, he like runs a tv network well and and, and he and ends you have, up with the girl yeah right exactly it's true it's a great <laughs> like, point
1: I actually, he's still
0: young enough because yeah. he's like bill Murray was maybe like in his 40s at that so, point maybe maybe late 30s it's hard to tell because I, I think I 40s here. 50s
1: yeah, yeah yeah and
0: yeah that's true i forgot he does end up with it's uh karen allen I yeah believe. yeah and it's, that's such a different approach to it. So um, that I did see in the theater, which is very funny to think about because I I, I always liked Bill Murray. So I remember yeah. seeing that with my mom and I loved that movie. And that's another one that it did fine, but it it isn't a movie that people necessarily saw a lot at the time. But, you know, Christmas movies, it's like Christmas Vacation. I saw that in the theater, too. And then a few years later, these are the movies that start to really catch on, I think. Uh, So what I wanted to do with to take this, compare it to other versions of A Christmas Carol that you've seen. Uh, Would you say it is do you think another version is your favorite? Is the book your favorite? What do you how how do you compare it to other versions of this story?
1: Um, okay, here's the thing. The Muppets are absolutely one of my favorite things ever. Sure. So I love that aspect of it, and I love Michael Caine's acting, but I would still say that Scrooge is actually my favorite because my my problem with the story, and it's the same thing with the book. I, I enjoy the writing, but I don't think it's my favorite Dickens book because it's it's such a tragic story and to me when I'm you know, it's when I'm watching this, um when I'm watching any movie adaptation of this, I always feel like despite the happy ending with Scrooge recognizing that he's not that, that he needs to be a better person, and despite the fact that he does end up with a family, um, which is great and that makes me happy, but I never can let go of all the things that he lost yeah. which maybe means that I'm not taking the message the way I should be <laughs> but I I always feel this lingering sadness at the end of any any rendition of a Christmas Carol but Scrooged at least there's more of yeah. there's there's that complete resolution where it's not too late for him he can go and actually get together with someone and and it's definitely because
0: bill murray is is younger than we usually see scrooge (laughs) he he's able to be like yeah it's fine you can you can settle down and and actually find love but you're right he basically ebenezer scrooge he ends up like oh well now you're closer with your nephew and his wife and and you know but you don't have your own family and it is much too late for that sir yeah so there
1: uh, um i just wanted to add one more thing I would love to see a version out there where it is a younger person and they have more time. Like another version, like we had Scrooged, but I'd love to see maybe a female version where the person is a little younger and they can actually have that twist at the end. There's
0: a very non traditional version that when I say what it is, people would probably laugh, that I think is a great telling of this. And it is the uh, – it, it, you know what? It, it's – I'm just remembering now it's actually not a Christmas carol. It's a wonderful (laughs) life. It's a wonderful life. So uh, it is obviously only tangentially uh, connected once I I realize. But so there is an hour long episode of Married with Children where uh, the the angel of Clarence is played by Sam Kinison. And he shows Al Bundy how everybody's life would have been so much better if he had never been born. <laughs> so he decides he wants to live because he wants everybody to be as miserable as he was his whole life. Wow. And I like when you take that sort of a twist and put it on there, you know. Uh, so obviously that is not as relevant to it as when I opened my mouth. But um, yeah, I, I I think that this is I wonder I, I was talking to my wife about this as I was rewatching it uh, earlier today. Is My son is four, and I feel like the scary parts might still be a little too scary for him, but this might be the version that you can show to the youngest audience. I don't quite know if my son's ready for it yet, but usually the the dark parts are way too scary, you know, and I, I think... This is something that you, that you can show to you know maybe my son needs to be six or seven I'm not quite sure about that but uh, I I think that you're able to tell this story in a way that they'll like it and maybe if they are a little bit older they're like well, oh there's a book of this I I would like to I would like to read that and not. Uh, just watched the the DVD of the Mr. Magoo version that is on one of those collections. Anyway, uh, that is basically our time for this. And uh, Rachel, I was so glad that you were able to come in and talk about this film. Obviously, I can talk about it more. Uh, this was mostly gushing about a movie that I already loved, but I love to have an excuse to rewatch it. Uh, I watch it most Christmases, maybe not every single year. I do like to usually try and find time to rewatch it, even if it's while I'm wrapping presents or whatever. But I was very glad to get to talk about it and to talk about it with you. Uh, Alexa and I will be back in the new year, uh, in early January, I think on the 7th. And I think we might be covering Goodfellas. I have seen it. Oh, she has not. Such a good movie. <laughs> so uh, it'll be an interesting approach to that. But uh, until then, Rachel, where do people find you?
1: So first of all, thank you for having me Absolutely. on the show. And you, everyone can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman or on my author Instagram account at Rachel Radner Author.
0: And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. And Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Popcorn Talk Network for Marvel movie news. Uh, a little bit earlier today, we did the big Marvel movie, DC movie news uh, holiday crossover. So look for the archive version of that. Uh, that's all the time we have now. But uh, a joyous Muppet Christmas and happy holidays to everybody and happy New Year. We'll see you next year. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network.